0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the brand new episode of NM Broadcast, the very own podcast of NMMS Bank. Today, we have with us Mr. Rohas Nagpal. Mr. Nagpal started his career in the early 1990s as a hacker, and his work has spanned 18 countries. He has investigated cyber crimes and data breaches for hundreds of organizations across many sectors, from aerospace, banking, to law enforcement, pharma, and shipping. In 1999, he co-founded the Asian School of Cyber Laws. He has also had the privilege of assisting the government of India in framing the draft rules under the Information Technology Act. In 2015, he decided to move into the blockchain space, and in 2016, he co-founded Prime Chain and Bank Chain, a community of 37 banks plus corporations like IBM, Microsoft, and Intel. Mr. Nakpal has authored Cyber Crime Investigation Manual which has been referred to as the bible of cybercrime investigators by the times of india and the future money playbook a book he wrote after his daughter also developed an interest in crypto currently he is the chief block architect of the wrapped assist project and he is building the future money wallet and the hybrid finance blockchain today mr nakpal will help us rethink the concept of one welcome sir so sir since our audience is from a diverse background could you explain the concept of blockchain like you would explain it to a 10 year old kid
1: sure so uh, let's take an example that suppose i lent money to somebody and then that person refused to pay it back now how will it that i'm going to prove that the person has borrowed money from me? So today, conventionally, we use a system where there could be, you know, a centralized system where I'm signing some kind of an agreement with that person. Now in the world of blockchain, we try to make this decentralized, which means let's take another example. When I'm lending you some money, 10 of our friends are standing there and each of them makes a video recording of this transaction happening. And then each friend is going to put this video on different social platforms. Someone will put it on WhatsApp, someone will put it on Instagram, someone on Facebook. Now, tomorrow, if the person who has borrowed the money wants to deny it, they will actually have to delete this video from so many different platforms, but that's going to be very difficult for them to do. And that's exactly how a blockchain works. Every transaction is broadcast to all the nodes or computers which are connected to that blockchain. And there could be hundreds or thousands of these. So now if a hacker wants to change a transaction of the past, that person would need to hack into all the nodes at the same time and that is almost impossible. I hope that was easy enough to understand.
0: Uh, yes sir, uh, and uh, my follow up question to you would be since you have worked in the cyber crime domain for a very sustainable period of time and then you moved into blockchain the identity of the person who purchases cryptocurrency remains concealed which uh, results in illegal activities and transactions on places like the dark web so is it necessary to regulate this market and how can such illicit transactions be eliminated or avoided?
1: Sure, that's an interesting question but firstly we must understand crime did not start after the invention of cryptocurrency Crime has been going on for as long as there have been human beings on the planet. So, before cryptocurrencies came in, the same criminals were using cash. And even today, you have so many criminals who don't use crypto. They would still use cash, maybe gold, drugs, all of these are also used as medium of exchange. So, let me first, in fact, give an interesting story about how I even got introduced to Bitcoin. This was about 2011, and I was helping one of the law enforcement agencies investigate a case where the drug mafia was using Bitcoin for payment. So how it was working was, you go to the coffee shop and there's a youngster sitting there and you give him some cash. That youngster would then convert this cash into something called Bitcoin, which I had never heard at that time. And he would give you a number, say 84. You go home and a few days later, a book will come by courier to your house. You open the book and tear out page 84. Cut it into small pieces and put a piece on your tongue and the drug will take effect. So, this was this, you know, new breed of colorless, tasteless, odorless drugs which are like, they look like water and you put it on a piece of paper, it dries up and now even a police dog will not be able to sniff it. Now, this entire ecosystem of the drug mafia using Bitcoin and using something called the Tor or the dark web really picked up around 2011 and for the first few years, the major use of Bitcoin was for illegal purposes. But today, actually, that has changed a lot and earlier people used to say bitcoin is anonymous that's also not really true bitcoin is pseudo anonymous every single transaction that happens on bitcoin gets recorded in the bitcoin blockchain and anybody can see that list of transactions the only thing that you don't know is who is the person connected to a particular address so let's say now you catch up the police catch a criminal today and they come to know which bitcoin addresses he's using immediately they will be able to track down every single transaction that that criminal has done in the past also and that is the reason we say these kind of blockchains are pseudo anonymous then there are the new kind of blockchains which are totally anonymous an example would be monero which is what we call as a privacy coin or a privacy blockchain where addresses transactions nothing is actually visible so that kind of i'm hoping gave you a overview of the background of how cryptos are misused sometimes now coming to your question about whether they should be regulated absolutely there is no doubt that they should be regulated but we have to also understand that cryptocurrencies are very different from the conventional assets of the world so when we talk about regulating the government has to come out with a new law which will actually govern you can't just straight away say okay this should be governed like a security or like a banking instrument no There are actually 11 different types of cryptos today and all of them are not even currencies. They are all in different categories. So I believe they should be governed based on which category they fall under. hope that answered your question.
0: Yes, sir. And uh, since we are talking about bitcoins and uh, currencies, Last year, Elon Musk has announced that Tesla will be accepting Bitcoins as a mode of payment and we see that a lot of companies are using cryptocurrency as a tender to purchase goods. Given the volatility of the cryptocurrency, is it a good practice to accept them as a legal tender? Who are the winners and who are the losers in this game? Sure. So now there are two
1: questions that you've asked. So one is the legal tender. A legal tender means something which is recognized by the government as acceptable for currency and all transactions can happen. So in India, you can use only the Indian rupee. In the US, it's the US dollar. Now, the world's first country which has recognized Bitcoin as legal tender is El Salvador. It's a small country in Central America. And today they have accepted Bitcoin also as legal tender. So you could walk into a McDonald's and buy a burger and pay using Bitcoin. Honestly, I don't think that's a good idea in the long run because Bitcoin is extremely volatile. The, the value could fall by 20 and 30 percent in a day, and that would completely bankrupt a normal person who's trying to use it. So, I believe Bitcoin is becoming more a store of value like gold and less a medium of exchange. And from my practical experience, I can tell you that most people do not use Bitcoin as a medium of exchange. We usually will use stable coins. So, these are cryptos which are pegged to fiat currencies. Like the US dollar, Singapore dollar, or the Japanese yen. Examples of a stable coin would be Tether, USDT, for example. And because the value of those is pegged to a fiat currency like the dollar, the value doesn't fluctuate much. So, to conclude the answer to your question, only El Salvador has used Bitcoin as legal tender, and I think that's a long, big mistake in the long run. And secondly, as a medium of exchange, I basically see stable coins being used and not so much Bitcoin.
0: Uh, Sir, you highlighted the uh, volatility aspect of cryptocurrencies and uh, we have had in the past uh, big market players who have influenced the cryptocurrency market. So how much of the volatility of the Bitcoin is due to the whales influencing the market price versus uh, outside investors?
1: Sure. So I think most of the volatility that we see in crypto is because of the whales, because they still own a huge chunk of most of the important cryptos. So I would say, you know, when it talks about Bitcoin, Ether, so these are the ones that actually comprise maybe 60-70% of the overall crypto market capitalization. And their uh, actions, whether it is selling or whether it is buying, is probably having the maximum influence on the crypto prices. But I'd also like to point out, you know, like a few days ago, the stock markets also crashed. Now, my question to you is what has happened a few days ago that suddenly all the stock markets should crash? Right. So even when you apply the same logic, you will see that even the stock markets are heavily influenced by what the whales or the big players are doing. And the crypto market is just like that. It is mainly the whales who cause all these moves.
0: And so my final question too would be uh, regarding a concern that has been raised since the cryptocurrency have been introduced in our lives. Crypto mining have a great impact on the environment and natural resources. uh, It uses a lot of natural resources and energy to mine a cryptocurrency. So how can we tackle this issue?
1: So i'd like to answer this in two ways firstly i think it's a very unfair uh, argument against bitcoin when we talk about mining see you look at any human activity it always is going to have impact on the atmosphere or the environment take an example of banks do you know how many employees banks have millions each of these employees is going to be traveling in an air-conditioned car to an air-conditioned office then they will take flights and go all over the world why does nobody ever calculate the environmental cost of the banking sector why is this whole argument about environmental only limited to bitcoin whether you eat non-vegetarian have you ever calculated the environmental cost of raising that many animals and then slaughtering them and then making them available for food so every single human activity has an environmental cost naturally bitcoin also has an environmental cost but we should first compare it to the conventional cost of banking and other systems and then figure out whether actually Bitcoin costs more. Having said that, some of the newer cryptocurrencies are now not using proof of work, which is what the real reason behind Bitcoin's electricity consumption is. And they are moving on to new systems like proof of stake. But those are very new and they have not been tested out. And chances are there may be a lot of vulnerabilities in them. So I would say no matter what the economic cost, Bitcoin makes sense. There is an economic logic and that is the reason it is so popular around the world. So I think we need to first compare with conventional systems and then only see whether Bitcoin actually consumes more electricity than the banking system. Hope that answers your question.
0: Absolutely, sir. Thank you very much for decrypting the world of crypto for us and opening new avenues of thinking and probably investing ourselves into cryptocurrency it has been a pleasure interacting with you also a warm thanks to all the listeners of nm broadcast stay tuned for the next episode